Thank you for standing by and welcome to the NanoSonic Sonics Limited 2021 Full Year Results and Investor Call. All participants are in a listen-only mode. There will be a presentation followed by a question and answer session. If you wish to ask a question, you will need to press the star key followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. I would now like to hand the conference over to Mr. Michael Kavanagh, Managing Director and CEO. Please go ahead. Thank you very much and a very good morning everybody and thank you all for joining the call this morning. I am joined remotely um, by McGregor Grant, our CFO. Well, by now you will have seen the FY21 results announcements, which I believe demonstrates how the company has successfully adapted to the challenges of COVID-19 and overall delivered an excellent set of results, in particularly in the second half of the year as the market conditions improved. Um, there are really three key takeaway messages I'd like to convey from the comprehensive set of results and information contained uh, in the release, in, and you'll find the investor presentation, the annual report, and sustainability report, which uh, were all posted this morning. And the first message really is around that how the organization did experience a significant recovery in the second half of the year over the first half as market conditions improved. And this recovery was experienced across all key measures of the business, including installed base growth, total revenue growth, capital revenue growth, and uh, consumables and service revenue growth. And that revenue growth was even more pronounced when you look at it on a constant currency basis. The second message I want to leave you with is that there is still a significant opportunity for growth in the Trophon business. And indeed, the opportunity in North America is larger than our original estimate with the total addressable market in that market now estimated to have increased by 50% to 60,000 units. In addition, the fundamentals for adoption in Europe have strengthened, where coupled with our investment in the region, we witnessed excellent growth for the year, uh, despite the region essentially being in lockdown for the full year, and that's very encouraging for the future. And the third message is, in addition to the significant Trophon opportunity, Nanasonics has an exciting pipeline of new products. We've just launched Audit Pro, which brings significant benefits to customers as well as opportunity for Nanasonics as we enter the new and important space of digital connectivity and data in infection prevention. And of course, in addition, this morning we announced the next platform technology for the company that the company is working on which is addressing what is probably recognized as the most significant issue in instrument reprocessing today, and that's endoscope reprocessing, and in particular addressing the significant technical challenges associated with the cleaning phase of endoscope reprocessing that I'll talk about a little bit later. So what I'd like to do is, is just provide a bit more detail on each of these three areas, and then I'll hand over uh, for questions. So, as I mentioned, the first key message is really around the significant recovery achieved in the second half of the year. And as you will have seen, full year revenue for the year was 103.1 million. That was up 3% on prior corresponding period. In constant currency, however, total revenue was up 12%. But more importantly, looking at the revenue outcome in both halves, it does provide very important insights. And as market conditions improved in the second half, and particularly in North America, where access to hospitals improved and ultrasound procedure volumes trended back to pre-COVID level, pre levels, we saw revenue grow 39% over the first half to 60 million. And if you look at that on a constant currency basis, that uh, growth was actually up 50%. And as you all know, installed base is probably one of the most important metrics for the business. And despite the impacts of COVID-19, the global installed base increased 13% to 26,750 units. So that's an increase of over 3,000 units uh, for the year, with all regions, I might say, performing uh, very well in that growth. 
Again, the second half of the year saw a significant recovery in, in new installed base adoption as the market conditions did improve, in particularly in North America, with uh, 1,650 new units installed. So that was a growth of 20% on uh, the first half. So back to a very positive growth uh, momentum trend indeed in the second uh, in the second half. And if I look at that by region, in North America, the installed base increased 12% or just to under 2,500 units um, for the year, where we now have uh, 23,000, nearly 23,500 units installed across over 5,000 institutions. And the second half installed base was up 20% over the first half with uh, um, 1,360 uh, units installed in that second half. And that second half run rate annualized is just over 2,700 units, which is getting back close to the pre-COVID annual installations we've always been aiming for, which as you know is between 2,700 and 3,000 units per annum. Indeed, this, when I look at the second half installed base in FY21, it was actually greater than the first half of FY20 where there was no COVID impact. So again, uh, demonstrating the, the underlying strong fundamentals for adoption uh, in the North American market. Um, in our European region, our, our EMEA region, despite COVID-related uh, restrictions really prevailing for the full financial year, the installed base grew 35% uh, for the year, where the total installed base is now reaching um, just over 1,500 units uh, across the region. And this growth, I believe, reflects the strengthening fundamentals uh, for adoption of Tropon across the region. And in the investor presentation, you'll actually find uh, some details around all those guidelines that now exist. Uh, we're supporting uh, automated high-level disinfection and they continue to emerge. Obviously, there's now a, a growing understanding of the risks of cross-contamination. And of course, we're continuing to increase our investment in our infrastructure across the region. Uh, and both halves, actually, not just H1, H2 over H1, both halves of the year in, in the EMEA region uh, demonstrated excellent growth compared to uh, prior corresponding periods, where H1, the first half, for example, was was up 54% on the PCP, and the H2 was actually up 73% on PCP. So certainly, we're beginning to gain uh, a fair amount of very positive traction over in the European region. And in Asia-Pacific, despite um, the Australian-New Zealand market being highly penetrated, we still had installed base grew by 9% or 150 units for the year. Where, and in that region, now there's uh, uh, 1,760 uh, units installed. And that majority of that growth was actually experienced in uh, Australia, New Zealand, as Japan was effectively in a state of emergency and lockdown for the majority of the year. So back to revenue for a moment, and if I split the total revenue down to capital and consumables, despite a 13% increase in new installed base, the actual capital revenue for the year was down 11% to 26.7 million. This reduction was primarily associated with a reduction in the number of units sold to GE Healthcare in the first half of uh, the financial year, which we reported during our first half results. And from that, you remember that that reduction was really just due to a decrease in the installed base growth as a result of COVID-19, particularly in Q4 of FY20 and Q1 of FY21 and then the corresponding impact that had on GE's inventory level. So they didn't need to purchase capital when the amount going out to customers was down. But importantly, the capital revenue increased 84% in H2 compared with H1. As market conditions improved, the installed base growth recovered, and of course then GE resumed their normal capital purchasing patterns. So that was really a one-off impact due to inventory and we saw a nice return uh, to normal uh, patterns of purchase in the second half. Um, 
Of course, this impact of GE capital purchases was only felt in our North American region. Uh, for Europe and Middle East, total capital revenue for the year was up 91% to $2.7 And what's important to note here is, as the majority of units placed in the UK, which is our largest market in the, the European region, are under the managed equipment service model, where no capital revenue is actually recognized, this increase in capital revenue in EMEA does reflect the growth in the markets uh, outside of the UK. So again, strong indications um, for very positive growth momentum emerging in the, our European region. And of course, in Asia-Pacific, the total capital revenue for the year was up 143% to 2.7 million. Now, if I exclude the capital revenue that was associated with upgrades, um, the overall capital revenue for the year in Asia Pacific was up 36%. But of course, upgrades are an important part of our capital revenue growth moving forward, so it was good to see um, upgrades come through in ANZ um, in the last financial year. From a consumables and service perspective, revenue increased 9% uh, to 76.4 million. And here I think it's really important to look at this on a constant currency basis as it better reflects the actual volume growth. And in constant currency, that revenue would actually have been 84 million or up 20%, which I think is important to understand. And as, as you all know, the first half consumable sales, they were impacted due to the effect of COVID on ultrasound procedure volumes. However, the second half saw a positive trend towards pre-COVID uh, procedure levels with revenue for the consumables and service up 27% in H2 compared with H1, or that would be 39% in constant currency. And uh, what is important, I guess, also is that towards the end of the financial year, all indications were that ultrasound procedure volumes we're definitely approaching pre-COVID levels across most markets. And uh, details on all the regional splits uh, with respect to those revenue numbers are provided uh, in the release and in the investor presentation. So moving on to the, the second key takeaway or message, and, and that is there's a significant opportunity, an ongoing opportunity for growth in the Trofon uh, business. And indeed, the opportunity is larger than our original estimate. At the half year, we said that we were going to examine the North American market to get a better understanding of the total addressable market. And for many years, we've been quoting a 40,000 unit opportunity, which is certainly out of date. And the ultrasound market has not stood still and indeed has grown strongly. And we did commission work uh, in the United States to better understand the current state of ultrasound installed base in the USA. And as a result of that work, the estimated total addressable market uh, for Trofund units in North America has been revised up from 40,000 units to 60,000 units. And this takes into account the growth in the ultrasound markets over really the last eight years or so since we've been quoting that 40,000 unit number. Um, what this means, of course, is there's an opportunity for strong ongoing growth in North America. Indeed, rather than being 59% penetrated, if we were still quoting 40,000 uh, units, we are only 39% penetrated, which provides excellent runway for ongoing growth. We've not done a similar exercise for Europe and Asia-Pacific at this stage, as the same level of granular detail is, is not readily available. Um, but we do acknowledge that the 40,000 unit opportunity in each of these regions is out of date and is likely higher, just like in the US, as ultrasound uh, has certainly grown in those markets as well. But getting to a specific number, to be honest, is not a, a big priority for us at the moment, as you all know that there's still a, a large runway to go, even with the 40,000 opportunity. Um, but we'll look at that at a, a later date. And um, speaking of growth in these regions, 
you've seen the growth being experienced in Europe and certainly we aim to continue to invest in that market to further stimulate growth on the back of the strengthening fundamentals. We know from our North American business that Trophone can be a very successful business delivering significant contribution margin and our aim is to replicate what we have achieved in North America in the other two regions. Um, in Asia-Pacific, despite the challenges associated with Japan being in a state of emergency for the majority of the year, we did continue our market development work there with virtual education and training with relevant specialists, societies and of course our distributors. And we did expand our local infrastructure over there and uh, we continue with our market development activities uh, in partnership with our distributors including uh, GE Healthcare. Um, we are currently finalizing, actually it may be finalized, the, um, the registration of uh, our wholly owned foreign enterprise in China or, or Woofie in China and we are now preparing for regulatory submission uh, to approve Trophon 2 for commercialization in that market. Um, we, I think it will probably be an FY23 market introduction but uh, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes as we prepare for that. And of course growth in capital equipment is only one dimension. There's also the opportunity for growth in consumables. I mean we did see, especially on a constant currency basis, very very strong growth in consumables. Um, this year and um, also in the investor presentation you there's a slide in there that I think is quite informative and that highlights that there is over 150 different types of procedures that use ultrasound probes across many departments that risk contact with mucous membranes, non-intact skin or sterile tissue therefore necessitating the requirement for high level disinfection and as education on this creates greater awareness, there's certainly the possibility that the usage of trophons will also increase, uh, driving increases in consumable usage. And of course, another important aspect related to the significant growth opportunity for trophon is upgrades. And uh, for obvious reasons, upgrades were, they weren't a big focus in FY21 because where we did have hospital access, we were very much focused on new installed base. But now that hospital access is back, um, there will be more of a focus uh, in FY22 on upgrades. Um, customers have been notified about the end of life notifications for the original Trophon EPR, as, as, which is just a normal part of the product life cycle. And there are now over six and a half thousand Trophon EPRs, I believe, that are seven years and older in the market. And considering the value proposition of T2, the, the Trophon 2 over the EPR, the original device, together with what I believe is a, a solid economic rationale, will certainly be informing customers of the upgrade opportunity over the next 12 months. And um, just a note here, as upgrades do kick in, so will the mix between capital and consumables, which of course then can have a, an impact on gross margin, uh, depending on the, the volumes of upgrades we get in FY22. We expect the gross margin to rebalance closer to the historical levels of about 75%, 75 plus uh, percent uh, that was experienced in in the prior years. So um, that's important to note. So considering uh, there then the, the increased TAM in North America, the Europe growth kicking in as fundamentals have improved, opportunities through our expansion in Asia Pacific, the potential for increased usage of each trophon due to a wide range of ultrasound procedures and of course upgrades um, I think that there is uh, definitely a significant opportunity for the Trophon business alone moving forward. And of course, this leads to the, the third and final key message I wanted everybody to leave with, and that is that Nanasonics, we have a, a, an exciting pipeline, really, of new products. And as you all know, product expansion is a core aspect of our strategic growth agenda. 
And in FY21, the company invested 17.2 million in R&D. So that's up 11% on the prior year. In June, we announced the launch of Nanasonic's Audit Pro, which is an inspection control workflow compliance management system. And it's the result of a number of years of research and development and, and really opens up a significant opportunity to market a unique solution that really integrates infection prevention, decision-making, track and trace, and compliance into a, a single digital solution. And that product now is being rolled out in the United States with plans to introduce it into other regions over time. Um, the Order Pro solution, it comprises of a, a mobile scanning device coupled with a subscription to a, a browser-based application for users. And the, the first application focuses on ultrasound procedures, where the, the new handheld scanning device is actually designed to be coupled with every ultrasound console at point of care. So with over 270,000 ultrasound units in the United States alone, uh, you can imagine that Order Pro represents a, a significant new opportunity for nanosonics. And, and it's important, I guess, one takeaway on this is important that some people were thinking about Order Pro, the ratio of Order Pro would be associated with the ratio of Trophon. We're very much looking at Order Pro as a ratio to ultrasound consoles, not as a ratio to the number of Trophon units that are out in the marketplace. So over time, we're not expecting significant revenue. It's a it's like a service model, a subscription model that um, will generate revenue over a five-year subscription model and recognize that revenue over the five-year period. But obviously, as the install base grows with Order Pro, then the revenue can become um, quite significant. Um, in addition to Order Pro, there is our new next new technology platform, the Nanasonics Chorus uh, platform. And this new technology platform is directed at solving what is probably the most important and significant problem in instrument reprocessing today, and that's the cleaning of flexible endoscopes. Indeed, more healthcare-associated outbreaks have been linked to contaminated endoscopes than any other medical device. And it's a highly, highly complex problem to solve that has existed uh, for many years. So a bit of detail around this, if I may. Um, first of all, reusable flexible endoscopes, and there's a range of types of flexible endoscopes. They are highly sophisticated medical devices that enable advanced diagnostic and therapeutic interventions across a range of conditions. And these reusable endoscopes, they incorporate advanced technologies that give physicians really a sophisticated level of control in carrying out very complex and minimally invasive procedures and the ability to navigate challenging anatomical situations to deliver you know, the highest level of patient care. And as I mentioned, there are many types of flexible endoscopes, including colonoscopes and gastroscopes, duodenoscopes, bronchoscopes, etc. And from a from a reprocessing or a decontamination perspective, the cleaning stage of the reprocessing or decontamination process it's a critical step and has significant implications for the outcomes of the, the subsequent high-level disinfection stage of the process. Indeed, the, the father of, of decontamination, Ernst Spalding, a famous quote from him, is you can, you can clean without disinfecting, but you cannot disinfect without cleaning. Um, so people talk a lot about, you know, moving towards sterilization, but even still, without very uh, effective cleaning, um, that won't make as much of a difference. So, but there are lots of challenges associated with manual cleaning, combined with reports of persistent contamination from biofilm, which is really a very difficult contaminant to remove despite that routine cleaning. And this does represent a significant unmet need that's well recognized by regulators and customers. Now, addressing this problem, 
which has existed for many years, it's a very, very complex issue. You are, you are dealing with trying to automate what today has anywhere between 50 and 200 manual cleaning steps. You're dealing with sophisticated endoscope design and architecture that has multiple interconnected channels and complex ports. You're, you're dealing with channels with diameters that can be less than a millimeter. Um, and of course, you're dealing with very complex and difficult soils to remove, such as biofilm. So as you can imagine, it is a very, very complex technology development program. But the Nanasonics team, they focused on the significant technical challenges for a number of years now with the aim of developing a, a novel automated technology designed to really revolutionize the cleaning process of flexible endoscopes. And our new Nanasonics Chorus platform technology, like Trophon, it will comprise both capital equipment and consumables. And in testing to date, this new automated platform has demonstrated the ability to deliver significant superiority in cleaning efficacy over the requirements of the current standards, including there's most, there are some new recent standards that are even stricter and we can uh, significant superiority even over those. In addition, testing demonstrates superior efficacy over manual cleaning against these difficult biofilm contamination, including in the smallest channels of an endoscope, so down to less than a millimeter in diameter. So uh, a big technical challenge to overcome and the, the R&D team have done an absolutely amazing job there. So the potential to address this, of course, uh, represents a significant opportunity for the company. There are over 60 million flexible endoscope procedures being conducted across the United States and the largest five markets in Europe alone every year. And that number is growing at about 6% per annum. And uh, we're very pleased with our progress in the product's development. There's still some more development work to do, which will be followed by external clinical assessments to, to support the regulatory submission. We continue to engage with the, the FDA um, to determine the necessary requirements to support a successful regulatory submission, but all of that is, is going well. And the timing for initial commercial launch previously indicated, that is being revised and will be determined in due course dependent on, of course, those, those technical, regulatory, and operational milestones being met. And at the moment, we're currently targeting the first commercial launch in, in calendar 2023. And there are some impacts of COVID at the moment with lockdowns here in Australia, but we're doing our best to, to try and manage those. And we'll keep the market informed as uh, material new information uh, becomes available. But needless to say, it's a very exciting development, and we remain highly confident in bringing uh, what we believe can be a transformational product to market that does address the most significant unmet need in instrument reprocessing today. And indeed, we believe, like Trophon, uh, can become a new standard of care. So all around, some very, very exciting things ahead for the business from a product portfolio perspective. In terms of outlook for 22, First of all, we do have to acknowledge that there is still uncertainty in the marketplace, um, especially with the Delta variant of, of COVID. However, uh, assuming that positive market recovery trends do continue, and we're seeing that with vaccinations uh, increasing around the world, etc., we do uh, anticipate a return to double-digit growth, and I think you saw what our second half uh, number was. Uh, of 60 million and so we're expecting double digit growth in, in total revenue in FY22 and that will be driven by uh, ongoing increase in the installed base globally, increased usage of consumables across all regions as ultrasound procedures return to pre-COVID levels um, and in addition of course it's anticipated we'll see new capital revenue coming in from upgrades from Trophon EPR to Trophon 2 during FY22 as well. I did mention earlier on, just on depending on the upgrades and capital and the growth now in capital in the second half or in this year um, with, from new IB and uh, upgrades, 
that the mix between capital revenue consumables will likely change and that will will result in a gross profit margin more aligned to what it was in uh, FY20 but remaining uh, our estimates are remaining above 75%. So with the exciting opportunity growth opportunities outlined for the Trophon franchise as well as uh, opportunities in the broader infection prevention markets, we we are going maintaining our commitment to continue to invest in the long-term strategic growth agenda, uh, with an emphasis, of course, on continuing investment growth in our regional operations and R&D. Um, the operating expenses in FY21 in the fourth quarter were 20.3 million. Um, as the business returns to its intended investment run rate, as you know, we originally at the beginning of the year were guiding towards 75 to, to 78 million, of course, with impacts of COVID, etc. Uh, that had come down. But in the fourth quarter, we got back to that intended run rate of 20.3 million. So that annualized alone is about 82 million. And of course, we expect some growth on, on top of that. So we're expecting our investment uh, in the ongoing growth of the business to approximate 90 million for the, for the year. So with that overview, I'm happy to hand over for any questions. Thank you. If you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. If you wish to cancel your request, please press star 2. If you are on a speakerphone, please pick up the handset to ask your question. Your first question comes from Josh Kanarakis with Baron Joey. Please go ahead. Hi, Michael and McGregor. Can you hear me okay? Yes, good morning, Josh. Good morning. Um, well done on the result. Firstly, just a question about the uh, core trove from business and with regard to your outlook. Um, can we talk a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of trends for the start of the year in terms of access into hospitals and just yeah. ha how that's been tracking? in terms of uh, your workforce and sales funnel? Yeah, look, a good question is obviously something we're monitoring very, very closely. Um, in the US, what we're seeing is that, um, access to hospitals has certainly improved a lot as vaccinations have increased. Um, there's pockets uh, in North America, you know, in the, the southern states like Florida and Texas where the Delta strain and the hospitals are under a bit of strain where access is is uh, more limited. Um, but we still are getting in there. Our service people are getting in. Our clinical applications people are getting in. And even in those southern states at the moment, we're still seeing the ultrasound procedural levels um, back towards pre-COVID levels. So we're not seeing those big drops that we, we had, had seen originally. But ultimately, I think what's, what's happening out there as uh, vaccines are rolling out, there's also an acknowledgement that there are many other healthcare issues over and above COVID that have to be addressed. And so the hospitals are, I believe, better equipped. I mean, this time last year, it was all around getting access to PPE and, and ventilators. They are a lot better equipped uh, to manage it at the moment. So with that in mind, our access has certainly improved a lot. And it's a similar sort of story in Europe. Our German field force are, are out there now. Our UK field force are out there. Yes, there are new guidelines with respect to visiting hospitals, but these guys are able to get into the hospitals now. Got it. No, that's great. And just in terms of upgrades, and you mentioned you do expect some of those to start happening into FY22 and some good granularity there. Um, can you just talk a little bit through uh, the implementation of the EPR end-of-life strategy and also how Audit Pro could potentially play into accelerating that upgrade cycle? Yeah, um, so normal part of product lifecycle when you, you are always going to at some stage obsolete products and, and when you do go to an obsolescence strategy, you notify customers with respect, with respect to an end-of-life notification. We did notify customers um, quite a period, some period time ago about the end of manufacturing and then more recently notifying them with respect to end-of-life. Now what end-of-life means is not that uh, we're no longer going to support customers. Uh, who have EPRs, 
um, but there could be limitations you know for older devices in terms of being able to service um, devices because of obsolete parts and things so and that is very very that's that's the normal process medical device companies follow so customers have been been notified um, so and I think then when we look at the upgrades you know the EPR that the T2 over EPR is certainly some very strong value proposition there and economically as well um, I think it makes sense to upgrade uh, because remember many of these EPRs are under service contract then when they get a new T2 um, that's warranted for the first year so it's almost like they've got a discount to the value of one year of service contract from the T2 already. To your point on, on Audit Pro, I think Audit Pro can, even though it's a discrete product in of itself, um, and, but its first application is in ultrasound, the connectivity, Audit Pro does not connect with the EPR, and, but it does with the T2. So it can certainly be a driver um, for upgrades as well um, when the, the teams are out there uh, talking to existing customers. Um, about Audit Pro, but not just a driver for the upgrades. I would say the other aspect that Audit Pro could potentially impact over time is that this product uh, it, it has inbuilt in in the product in that handheld is it, it almost ensures that as part of the clinical workflow that the the customer is taking on board the necessary infection prevention requirements. Um, so, and it educates them and helps them understand what they need to be doing with the probe and whether or not it requires high-level disinfection, etc. So I think it can drive, continue to drive that um, that education. And of course, with over 150 different types of procedures, uh, ultrasound procedures that require high-level disinfection, you know, there's the possibility that Audit Pro could actually drive increased consumable usage as well, as well as upgrades over time. Great. An extremely quick one in the essence of time on the new product. Can we assume that because you've released or discussed it now that the major technical challenges are overcome? I know you've mentioned there's a couple of additional product enhancements to come, but are the major technical issues that you've uh, dealt with, can we assume they're overdone, they're overcome? Yeah. The, the, the big thing here, we, it is a very, it's, it's, you know, in one sense it sounds easy, the cleaning of flexible endoscopes, but when you look at the architecture of endoscopes, and, it, and it's a purposeful architecture that enables the physician to have extreme control and be able to navigate you know, internally into very, very small areas, that complex architecture is actually required. But you're dealing with uh, endoscopes that have many different channels, and those channels of different diameters, and there's bifurcations in there, and connectors, and over nine different ports, and all of these sort of things. And so you can imagine the process, and that's why the current cleaning process can have anywhere from 50 to 200 different steps. So you can imagine trying to automate that. And all our testing today is now consistently demonstrating that we are achieving significant superiority over the required standards today. And very, very importantly, the ability um, to very, very effectively clean those very small lumens, which are considered to be the most difficult aspect of the cleaning and potentially one of the biggest contributors to the contamination. And our ability to be able to get rid of biofilm in those channels is, has, has proven to be very, very successful. So we're feeling very, very comfortable. Yes, there's some more work to do. Not in the product, you've got to remember a product like this then got to be introduced into manufacturing. There's many test systems that have to be developed, etc. So there's a whole suite of of uh, elements associated with the development over and above just the product itself. But we feel very comfortable with the, the product that we have and that indeed it can be transformational when launched. Great. Well done, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Martin Jacobs with Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. 
Uh, morning, guys. Congratulations on a strong result. I thought I'd just start with um, just asking you, what percentage of sales are represented by GE now? If you can share that with us. Um, that, I don't have it off the top of my head. I think it's probably in the order of about 55%, 60%. And, and you'll find that in the annual report under, um, under the uh, significant customers. What I will say is, uh, when thinking about that, is remember the consumables that um, we now effectively um, sell the consumables close to the ASP of what we sell directly to customers. But GE, they continue to provide consumables uh, to their um, to their customers. So in one sense, you almost have to discount uh, that percentage by the volume of, of consumables because if they were not selling those consumables, we would be selling those consumables to those customers. But ultimately, today, including consumables, it would be uh, in the order of about 60%. Right. Thank you. And um, on the OPEX, um, you're um, shadow, foreshadowing quite a big jump in, in the cost there. And I was just wondering if you can uh, split that out um, between uh, SG&A and R&D, firstly, and secondly, You've no, notified a, a 9% increase in staff, and can you just talk to uh, sort of where that's being attributed? Yeah, that's a good question. As I say, you know, originally for FY21, even um, with the COVID, we were we were looking to invest upwards of 75 to 78 million. Obviously, we came in underneath that, but importantly, in the fourth quarter we um, were able to get back on track as markets began to open up and uh, with our investment strategy and, and exodus to fourth quarter on a run rate of about 20.5 million. So annualize that, you're at 82 million straight away. Now, the, going into this year, we are looking to continue to invest out in the regions. There's more, re, more investment going out into the US. There's more investment going into um, the European region. We're doing investments as we're expanding our Asia-Pacific infrastructure. Um, yes, there is more going, going to go into R&D as well um, this year over last year. The other thing I'll flag is um, we will very likely move to a new premises. Uh, we're close to signing a new lease on a, a new premises um, that is a, a larger premises that uh, will support the next phase of the, the growth, so giving us a lot more capacity from a, a laboratory perspective and uh, an office perspective as well. So that will start coming in from an accounting perspective in um, FY22 as well. Okay. And on the... Um Upsides of the market, so it's good to see you've um, adjusted that. But you also noted that uh, you know pre-COVID, you new units were you know sort of twenty-seven hundred to three thousand. That's what you want to get back to. But in the past, you have talked about three thousand as a sort of a, I guess, yeah. a baseline that you can go in year in year out. So is there a, a, a subtle um, softening in your expectations going forward, or is that just being casual with us? No, I think we'd like to think, I think I've always said, you know, there's not many pieces of medical technology getting out there with about, you know, annually 3,000 new units going in and then generating a new revenue from it. And we'd like to think in North America that um, we'll be able to get back to that run rate of, of 3,000 and then we start seeing an accelerated growth in, in Europe. Um, so really what the 60,000 shows is there's still good run rate um, for ongoing growth as opposed to we'll get now a, automatically a shift in growth from 3,000 to 3,500 or 4,000 units. Okay. Uh, and just finally from me, um, in terms of the, the new endoscope product, yep. um, so pleased to say that you're um, acknowledging the, the problem of biofilm um, as a yeah. As a, you know, sinister factor in infections. Um, and I was just wondering, um, if someone had developed uh, a biofilm disrupting agent and could coat it on endoscopes, et cetera, um, would that have an impact on your potential? And have you thought about that te 
Um, I'm sure many people are thinking about those types of technology. Biofilm, we, we, we could go into hours of lectures on, on biofilm and the intricacies of biofilm, but coating products to minimize biofilm formation, I think um, um, nobody's been able to crack that. And it, it's, it's a big, big area. At the moment, I think, Martin, we feel very, very comfortable in the um, opportunity and the technology that's, that's, that we have going and, and feel, feel very comfortable that it will become a new standard of care. Okay, thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Chris Cooper with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hi, uh, morning. Thanks very much. Um, Michael, if you don't mind, just first on, on the revenue guidance for double digit. I mean, I, I don't know whether you can help steer us a little bit here, but I mean, clearly the second half, um, there's, there's a recovery that, that's, that's played out um, as, as foreshadowed. But as, for the year as a whole, I think it's fair to say that it's still a little bit below where you'd normally expect to be. So, you know, a double digit revenue growth wouldn't necessarily be a, a big surprise to people. Could could you help to just narrow that slightly? I mean, clearly it's a it's a very broad range. I mean, consensus I believe is currently something in the high twenties. Is that something you would feel comfortable with at this stage? Yeah, look, we Chris, we we've traditionally not given any guidance with respect to revenue, and um, and I think a lot of companies actually at the moment are not giving much guidance with respect to revenue with the uncertainties that are out there. What we'd like to think is that, I mean, everybody's seen what our second half revenue has has been, and you would like to think that that's, uh, you know, that's the uh, run rate going into, um, into FY22. And um, as long as the conditions uh, continue to improve, you know, based on what I've, I've covered this morning with respect to the opportunities that are out there for Trofon, uh, we would like to think that that run rate is certainly achievable, um, which gives some indication of what the first digit is on, on that double-digit growth. But um, really, with the uncertainties out there, I, I can't give any more granular information than that. Okay, so just to clarify that comment, it, 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 approximate doubling of the exit rate in fiscal 21 wouldn't be a bad starting point when we're thinking about 22. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, and and look, on, on the relationship with TV, just a couple of sort of smaller questions within this. So um, up to 60% of revenue now, it, it, it's, a, it's a fairly big increase in the um, uh, in the amount of revenue uh, generated through that relationship. Is that now the new normal, or, or, or does that begin to fall back down again as the rest of the customer base um, continues to recover through fiscal 22? And the reason I ask is it, it does appear as though there's been a, a material sort of pricing impact negative um, as we've seen those GE orders come back through the second half. Yeah, the, the orders came back in the second half. But again, I, I want people to... GE are are and continue to be a very important um, partner for Nanasonics and we've got a close working relationship with all our colleagues with GE. Um, but I don't want people to get fixated on this 60% associated with GE. Remember, a lot of that is associated with consumables. And um, as you know, the contract with GE a number of years ago changed where effectively we were taking the consumables back. But GE decided that they would continue to provide the consumables to their customers um, so they can offer the holistic solution and it'd be easier from a customer experience perspective, etc. Um, but what we, we sell the consumables to GE at close to the price of what we would sell them to the customer. So in, in one sense, you've got to discount the consumable volume when you look at that 60% um, being associated with GE. But without a doubt, you know, as our, our direct business continues to grow, but more importantly, how we look at things moving forward, and particularly in North America, internally we, we talk about our demand generation strategy. That, you know, we've, we've got a field force that are out there that are generating a lot of demand that can either be filled through us direct, can either be filled if we notice that it is 
you know, a customer that's predominantly using GE equipment, we'll make sure that that customer is aware. They'll always have the choice, but we'll make sure that the customer is aware that they can get the, the equipment through GE because they may be able to bundle it into a contract they already have with GE, etc. So we're more focused on ensuring that the market install base grows um, as opposed to whether it grows directly or indirectly because ultimately the consumables comes flows through to uh, Nanasonic. Okay, and is the plan at this stage for GE to help with the commercialization of course? They, um, we've made no statements around the, um, the commercialization model that we're going to go forward with with the chorus technology. But as you can imagine, GE don't have anything to do with endoscopy. Okay, and, and very final question, just on OPEX quickly. Um, the, the, the 90 million that you're guarding to for fiscal 22, it sounds as though from your comments earlier that maybe we should be assuming this to be um, sort of a new sort of base run rate um, with perhaps a little bit of growth year over year from 22. Would that be reasonable? Yeah, I think so. Because when you when you look at it, Chris, you know the, the opportunities for growth in the business and infection prevention alone um, are are really great. So at this stage, we're still going to continue to invest for grow for growth. Obviously, when you have got markets like uh, North America now that are, are well established. And whilst we haven't broken it down out here for the market, you know, we're, we're delivering excellent contribution margin out of North America in the Trophon business and, and demonstrating excellent operating leverage in, in North America as well. And that's where we want, we believe we can get to that in the other markets as well. But a lot of those other markets are highly underpenetrated. Um, we still believe we are, you know, we're not going to stop with Audit Pro and Nanasonic's chorus. We're, you know, we, 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 our growth is, is underpinned by continuing to invest in R&D and bring more and more new infection prevention products to market over time as well. So without, without a doubt, I would say, yes, it is a new baseline and there will be growth year on year on that baseline. Got it. Thanks very much. Thank you. Your next question comes from Leanne Harrison with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Hello, Michael. Hello, McGregor, and congratulations on a good second half recovery. I might start with um, the total addressable market for the Trofonds. And, um, you know, we had an estimate of about 50,000 units, and the 60,000 units are obviously 20% higher than our estimate. Can you give us um, some colour on the assumptions you used to, or, or the assumptions that we used in the study um, to arrive at that number? Yeah, the um, it's the, the foundation was looking at the total number of ultrasounds that are out in the marketplace, and in North America, it's in the order of greater than two hundred and seventy thousand ultrasounds out in the marketplace. Then we cut the data in a number of ways, looking at you know by type of ultrasound: is it console, is it compact, is it handheld, etc. And then we we looked at um, ratios of trophon to the different types of ultrasound and that those ratios were based on our experience um, in hospitals and other segments of the market and you know all of that came to uh, uh, a number that uh, probably conservatively is in the order of about 60,000 units. Okay, thank you very much. And then if I think about um, obviously the, the new Chorus product, um, you know, with the, the work that you've done to date on looking at the market there, can you give us a sense of, you know, how large do you think that the market demand might be for the Chorus? So in the announcement, we, we did give a bit of a flavor as to the, the number of endoscopy procedures, you know, mm -hmm of over 60 million or so annually and that's just the US and Europe top five and um, so you know if you include other parts of the world in Japan etc obviously it'll be a lot higher um, it will be a capital and consumable model so very very similar to to Trophon where we expect to similar sort of um, you know margins etc on consumables etc that we're, we're, we're looking to generate potentially um, 
So I think the um, you know the overall opportunity is very significant. The other thing that's probably worth mentioning is, unlike Trofund, where you've got a lot of markets now that are still in the early phase of in terms of adopting necessary guidelines for high-level disinfection, certainly in the majority of markets globally uh, for endoscopy. Um, the reprocessing of endoscopes are mandated, and of course the cleaning stage. So there's elements like that that could could have uh, positive uh, impacts for us in terms of um, stage and rate of adoption internationally as well. Okay, and 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 whilst we you, you obviously you mentioned the the capital and consumables model. Yeah. Um, you know, just so that we could, you know, probably get a sense of uh, of um, estimating the the market size, um, is the capital likely to be priced higher or lower than the Trofon too? Um, really, today we're we're not going into any details okay. on commercialization. Yeah, in, okay. in, in the fullness of time, we've come out with with more details uh, around, you know, all, all of that that sort of information, which I know. I know it's one step to to now announce where the technology yeah. is. Of course, that leads to your next questions, which are all very, very valid questions. And uh, but in the interest, you know, I guess in the fullness of time, we'll we'll come out with a lot more information about it. Okay, absolutely, I understand that. And then on the consumables for the chorus, um, are they likely to use same or similar consumables to the Trophon? Oh no, this is a one thing I will emphasize. This is a totally, totally new product platform, new capital, new consumable. Okay. Um, final question I have is on the Trophon. Um, in terms of the, the install or the new installed base, you know, based on our calculations, the average ASP jumps up um, significantly in second half 21. Can you give us some color on what might be the reasons for that? Um, I'm not sure what your calculations would be based on. Um, mm -hmm on the capital, but I don't think there has been significant increases in the um, capital ASPs in the second half. It was, it was primarily driven by volume. Okay. Is there any mix in terms of, you know, more Trophon 2 versus the EPR? No, so 100% of all EP, all Trophons that we're selling now and have been Actually. for the last over year are all Trophon 2. Okay, thank you very much. And I'll take one more, one more question um, just in the interest of, of time, and I'm sure I'll be talking to many people who are on this call uh, in more detail over the coming days. Thank you. Your final question is from John Deacon Bell with City. Please go ahead. Thank you, Michael. Uh, just, just to clarify, on the chorus product, could, I know you appreciate you, you giving us a bit more detail. Can you just tell us where the patent position is currently for this product? Um, John, we expect, we've been filing a lot of patents in a lot of areas and we fully expect that we will have strong patent protection like we have for Trophon um, for the system. Um, when it's when it's launched, so they're not granted at this point. Some some patents we have are granted; others are going through the process. Okay, thank you. And and just finally, I mean, I'm just intrigued. Really, you're talking about the patents are going through the process. You haven't started the clinical trials. You're talking about not launching the product for a couple of years. Why have you decided today to talk more about it? I think so. There's been a, obviously there's been a lot of questions um, around this new product. I think it's just timely that we inform the market as to the one of the key areas we are focused on in in our R and D spend. And there's been a lot of speculation out there. And uh, you know, by virtue of the fact that we've told the market today of what the product is, even its brand name that's registered. Um, people should feel comfortable uh, in the fact that uh, we believe we uh, can bring a, a transformational product to market. Right, thank you. And just finally, perhaps from McGregor, or for you, the, the 
R&D spend in actually doing the clinical trials for this? Is, is that going to be a kind of a material one-off step up or is it you think you can you can cover that within the current percent of sales that you're 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 spending yeah we'll, we'll be able to cover it yep right okay thanks very much thank you very much all right thank I you, think, no um, with Please. that I'd like to to thank you everybody again for for joining um, the call this morning hopefully you now have a better understanding of the the uh, the results that have come out and 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 understand you know the the importance of what was achieved in the second half of the year with that very very strong growth the fact that we've got a uh, excellent uh, ongoing opportunity for growth which is probably even bigger than for Trofund than originally anticipated and an exciting new product pipeline. So with that, I'll leave you all, and thank you for your participation, and undoubtedly I'll be speaking to many of you over the, the coming days. Thanks very much.